out of Austin, Texas. You're listening to the Unsanctioned Citizen Podcast. Here's your host, Sheila Dean. Down. It is January 21st, and this is the week of the World Economic Forum in Davos. And this is an important episode that we intend to make good on. So we'll be posting this version of this episode at Substack, at Potomatic, and our RSS.com um, for at least our monthly, semi-monthly output of content at those media. So, welcome to another edition of the Unsanctioned Citizen Podcast. I'm your host, Sheila Dean. And uh, I'm extremely grateful to bring you some, some good news. There's, there's a mix of things that are going on that are, are extremely daunting, challenging in our times. But, um, you know, for, for what is good news, it is good news. I want to start with an editorial from Laura Ingram, though. And uh, she's going to set it up to discuss or basically explain what the issue, how we've made the merge with Chinese policy here in the West, uh, kind of as a, the World Economic Forum as a policy conduit. So if you'll just give me a moment, I'll get this uh, queued up. The good kind of trouble. That's the focus of tonight's angle. Now this year, the star of the World Economic Forum, it wasn't Ukrainian President Zelensky or opera singer Renee Fleming. Well, it isn't a person at all. It's a system. A system of governance that we know is the envy of the forum organizers and attendees. We're talking, of course, about communist China's one-party state. Now, in the WEF's view, China delivers what Western governments have faltered at. Fostering harmony, more predictability, security, a sense of community, and perhaps most important to the globalists, social order. And order requires debate that is extremely limited, or preferably no debate at all. Now, we see this trend in our own country. Think of the lengths that our own government and big tech work to silence all of their COVID critics. Now, such censorship isn't dissuaded at Davos, it's celebrated. More on that in a minute. But one thing's crystal clear. They believe the anti-globalist voices must be defeated by any means necessary. Their greatest enemy, therefore, other than Putin, are conservative populists, especially here in the United States, people like President Trump and America First Voices in the House and Senate. Now, they hate them because, of course, those populists still believe in the nation state and they want essential manufacturing out of China and brought back to the United States. We still need to work and trade with China, especially when it comes to this transition. So we need to refocus our approach on de-risking rather than decoupling. De-risking? Not even a word. All right, oblivious to the fact that the CCP isn't interested in fair trade, Europe, nevertheless, they're all gung-ho on China under President Xi. Consider this CCP propaganda that's featured on the WEF website. It's an article about 
how four Chinese enterprises are taking action on sustainable development. It touts the state-owned agricultural bank, which they boast is an active participator in supporting reliable and coordinated ESG information disclosure standards. Now, I didn't know that the globalists were also comedians. How can a country that simply displaces any corporate CEO that it deems problematic to be an ESG pioneer? Now, remember former Alibaba CEO Jack Ma? He gave one speech that was critical of China's financial system, and he suddenly went missing. And he now no longer even runs the company he started. But the elites don't care about any of this as long as they get their IPOs and M&A work in China. Okay, as long as they get all that, they're happy. They're fine with listening to murderous dictators lecture us. China's national reality dictates that opening up to the world is a must, not an expediency. We must open up wider and make it work better. We oppose unilateralism and protectionism. Of course, when he says make it better, he means more to China's advantage. Now, currently, China dominates global trade. Last year, we approached a $400 billion trade deficit in goods and services with China. That's up from $353 billion in 2021. So under Biden, it's going back up. And when American politicians look out for American workers first, well, remember, that's to China's disadvantage. This is why they want America to be reined in. Listen for his not-so-subtle attack on democracy and economic nationalism. We need to uphold the right principles and maintain the effective international economic order. Traditional way of thinking cannot provide a solution. Now, the vice premier's words received a warm reception because the globalists are fully on board. The effective international economic order sounds an awful lot like to defend the rules-based international order. One of our defining missions is to strengthen the international rules-based order. Basic principles, basic rights, and a rules-based international order. To defend the rules-based international order. Where rules-based global order that protects peace and prosperity. It is only through the preservation of the rules-based international order that we're going to continue to have a peaceful international system. But the most exciting thing about the way China runs things is that it doesn't have to deal with that pesky First Amendment thing, free speech, open debate. Globalists want obedience. They do not want debate. And with the global system that prohibits what they broadly define as hate speech or disinformation, misinformation, they have total control. Just like their friends in China, who are really, really good at dealing with the troublemakers the business model of social media are constructed in such a way that they tend to expand the ideas that are more extreme, that are more controversial. The algorithms need to be redesigned in order not to be based on evil to make profit. Yes, you heard it right. They think it is evil to disagree with them. About what? Well, about Things like the types of cars you're allowed to drive, type of food you're allowed to eat, no meat, COVID shots, even the websites you like to frequent. But these same elites give a pass to the real evil in the CCP, 
those who pretend to be allies and fighting for equity and a green future, and an ultimate bait-and-switch move. China does it every time. A government that will lie about the origins of COVID will say and do anything to gain more power and authority over free people everywhere. So I say, here's to the troublemakers, the good kind, those who resist the collectivist solutions that, that Davosians champion, champion, those who call out the meaningless virtue signaling of the corporate titans, and those who reject the money and access dangled by the elites who happily shill for China. And that's the angle. Okay, and we're back. That was uh, Laura Ingram giving her her editorial on the influence or undue influence that China has on the World Economic Forum and proximates as to why. They're not ready to decouple yet, so they're taking the uh, forest technology transfers and the forest information transfers and the dirty laundry that comes along with doing business with China. Okay, this there is absolutely a cost. So this came out this week as well because Christopher Wray, our current FBI director, Christopher Wray, gave a talk at the World Economic Forum in Davos, which is not, you know, does not signal very, very good. I mean, I guess he's riding both horses, but I'll just read what was said here from Eric Tucker at the Washington AP. So FBI Director Christopher Wray said Thursday that he was deeply concerned about the Chinese government's artificial intelligence program, asserting that it was not constrained by the rule of law. Speaking during a panel session at the World Economic Forum in Davos, Wray said that Beijing's AI ambitions were built on top of massive troves of intellectual property and sensitive data that they have stolen over the years. He said that left unchecked, China could use artificial intelligence advancements to further its hacking operations, intellectual property theft, and repression of dissidents, dissidents being defined as people who disagree with their government narrative in an autocratic government, inside of the country and beyond. Quote, that's something we're deeply concerned about, and I think everyone here should be deeply concerned about, he said. More broadly, he said, AI is a classic example of a technology where I have the same reaction every time. I think, wow, we can do that? And then I think, oh God, they can do that. Such concerns have long been voiced by U.S. officials. In October of 2021, for instance, U.S. counterintelligence officials issued warnings about China's ambitions in AI as part of a renewed effort to inform business executives, academics, and local and state government officials about the risks of accepting Chinese investment or expertise in key industries. Now, there was a lot of news that has come out over over the, you know, the, the course of several years. There is the issue of the GEC, which is the State Department, uh, getting their fist in the face of you know, Twitter executives and meta executives, okay, they're laundering policy from the WHO and the CDC, and those people are getting their licks in from Chinese policy executives, you know, who are are trying to control the narrative around COVID, okay, and they, I don't know why, they just obeyed, 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 but they did, 
They did, and and they said, well, I mean, if you want information about the origin of the virus, here's what you must do, or something. There's a lot of blackmail going on, so I'll give you I'll give you an inference. So, um, Meta, Meta gave the CDC de facto power to police COVID misinformation, and so the mask is slipping. This is from uh, Reclaim the Net. It says if you're tired of censorship and cancel culture. Subscribe to Reclaim the Net. The mask is slipping, pun intended, all over the place regarding big tech and big government collusion. It's now to pay close attention to the role played by the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. You know, we've already been awed just by the magnitude of the whole thing, if not exactly shocked by the Twitter files. After all, while it was happening, a whole lot of observers surmised that something of this sort had been, uh, been behind the unprecedented and seemingly inexplicable levels of censorship on the platform. So, but what in the world is actually happening at Facebook around the same time? After all, Facebook is almost orders of magnitude bigger and more influential social network than Twitter. For the time being, we don't have the same direct line to the internal documents as is the case with Twitter, but which was made possible by the dedication to transparency by the new owner himself. However, what could be dubbed as the Facebook files are based on credible sources too. Reason is coming out with a story based on confidential emails that emerged thanks to a court case, the state of Missouri suing the Biden administration. So let's go to that. Biden administration is also facing some more scrutiny over airport face scans at Customs and Border Protection. Facial scan eliminates the need for handing over a boarding pass, driver's license, or passport at certain checkpoints, and it has raised some privacy hackles. Biometric technology has the potential to enhance security effectiveness, improve operational efficiency, and yield a more streamlined passenger experience at the TSA checkpoint. TSA spokesman Daniel DeVelez said, when the program was launched, TSA recognizes that biometric solutions must be highly usable for all passengers and operators, considering the diversity. The TSA claims the program, which rolled out quietly, uh -huh. Uh, but we've covered it many times that Reclaim the Net alleges deletes the photos once t uh, t a match is found. Now, if you have ever tried to get DHS or TSA to delete anything that they collect from the airports, um, invoking, you know, your right to do so, if from the front end they'll tell you we don't do that and then hang up the phone. So I'm not. I'm ready to tell the audiences that once this is tested from the public facing the agency, they don't obey. They don't go along with what they say they're gonna go along with, and for that they can be sued. Okay, quote, countries like China, Russia use facial recognition technologies to track their citizens. Rep Representative Jim Jordan tweeted on January 6th, do you trust Joe Biden's TSA to use it as well? No. So I'm gonna flip back to this meta article. Okay. So Facebook is one of these uh, platforms that has been called out for using biometric information. They've also been called out for basically being a government service contractor, you know, and, and they just they just give the government whatever they want. They're, I think the government is paying them to do this. So the emails show that Facebook and by extension Instagram Representatives and the CDC not only kept in touch at all times, but that the tech giant also routinely asked government health officials to vet claims relating to the... Oh my god. 
Relating to the virus, mitigation efforts such as masks and vaccines. In turn, the CDC kept a watchful eye on what speech was allowed on Facebook, what policies towards censorship of inconvenient COVID topics applied, and this government agency had no problem instructing the social network behemoth on how to behave in these instances. Robbie Suave, a senior editor for Reason, revealed some examples of what was happening in a series of tweets citing the emails and providing screenshots. One shows that in May of 2021, CDC started to get involved vetting content on Facebook that concerns COVID vaccines, and CDC had the last word on what was allowed to remain online as accurate. Okay, so I'm going to go... I'm going to read this, but then I'm going to switch over to a document that that shows, you know, what DHS CISA policy is and who is regarded as a, an actual stakeholder in, in communications. So, <clears throat> other emails show that Facebook Meta made sure the CDC was given de facto power to police COVID misinformation while at the same time flagging content for CDC. Consulting with it on claims that could contribute to vaccine refusals. Okay. Point three. Robbie Suave. For instance, in May of 2021, CDC officials began routinely vetting claims about COVID-19 vaccines that had appeared on Facebook. The platform left it up to the federal government to determine which assertions were accurate. Hi, Carol. To help with scoping your end for Thursday, here are some of the COVID content items that Liz will be flagging for your CDC team. It is not safe for women on their period to take COVID-19 vaccines. Being around people who are vaccinated with COVID-19 vaccine causes side effects. COVID vaccines causing magnetism. Face masks, face masks contain harmful nanoworms or harmful particles. COVID-19 vaccines cause Alzheimer's. COVID-19 vaccines cause prions disease. COVID-19 vaccines cause a cytokine storm. We already got WHO's input on this, inconclusive, so it would be good to have CDC input. COVID-19 vaccines cause balls, Bell's palsy. We already got WHO's input on this, inconclusive, so it would also be good to have CDC input. COVID-19 has 99.96 survival rate. Okay, point six. Claims vetted by CDC included whether COVID-19 is man-made. CDC told Facebook that this was theoretically possible, but extremely unlikely. So they're just feeding and feeding. So let me go to the other threader of information, disinformation, malinformation policy. That would be the um, foreign interference taxonomy. Okay, so, so the DHS and the Homeland Security had guidance that they put out to the key stakeholders, and these key stakeholders are the following. The DOJ, FBI, state, and intelligence community. The state, local, territorial, and tribal governments, and that's typically the police. I, I looked up, you know, deeper into the Homeland Security website, and it's typically the local police forces or law, local law enforcement, fire, and safety in those areas, typically. Foreign partners, whoever they are, probably WHO. Social media companies. So that definitely covers Twitter, Facebook, and the assigned. 
traditional media companies, your legacy media, your cable channels and CNN and all of that, academia and research, think tanks and philanthropy, that last one is going to envelop the umbrella in which NGOs come from, which also is standard for the World Economic Forum. So they could pull from the WEF, the West think tank and the philanthropy arm and say, here you go. Bill Gates, his vac vaccine and philanthropy arm. So I'm gonna look at comments really quick. So we have William who's really contributed a lot here. Wow, he's really just really pretty spirited here. So we've got uh, petitions to stop Tedros, international health regulations. WHO to finalize proposed IHR amendments this week in secret IHRRC meeting. I'm going to go ahead and read that. January 29th, 2023 by Delhi Clout. The International Health Regulations Review Committee, the IHRRC of the World Health Organization, is planning to meet in secret from Monday, January 9th to Friday, January 13th. The IHRRC will be working to finalize what is now a 46-page doc that includes proposed amendments to the international health regulations. Ooh. Consider, he says, consider sharing or signing the petition. As he added a petition there. WEF policies are dead on arrival in Florida. Good news. Um, more daily clout links. WEF disinformation policies. That is correct. And then WEF hat plans to smother COVID and climate change information that doesn't favor their false narratives. This is all, this is all co coordinating together. That, that seems to be the, what they're, they're trying to do. North Squatch says, among more than 85 million people in the U.S. who've now received at least one vaccination shot, um, less than 0.0018% of shot recipients have died sometime afterwards. Even that small number include people who were vaccinated while also suffering. Who's your source, North? Who's your source? So, and then more, more uh, title here from the mRNA vaccines. And it's here, Dr. Stephanie Seneff, Senior Research Scientist at MIT's Computer Science and AI Lab in Cambridge, Mass, says her recent interests have focused on the role of toxic chemicals micronutrient deficiencies in health and disease, and a special emphasis on pervasive herbicide, glyphosate, and mineral sulfur that may be present in the vaccines. So, I mean, there's just a lot. There's a lot to know and not enough public discussion to really rebalance. I'm certainly not a doctor. I'm not going to make any, any solid claims. But when they start shutting out doctors who actually do have good science and good science backgrounds blocking international peer-reviewed studies. This is bad news for science. So um, let's go back to this foreign interference taxonomy document. So according to the Homeland Security, foreign interference maligns, malign actions take by, taken by foreign governments or foreign actor, actors designed to sow discord, manipulate public discourse, discredit the electoral system, bias the development of policy, or disrupt markets for the purpose of undermining interests of the United States and its allies. 
Hmm. So let's go to new media abuse because social media companies, for the, in the interest of time, I'll do new media abuse, cyber activities, and information activities. New media abuse. Manipulating content service provider CSPs to create and amplify false and distorted content for targeted individuals or groups. This feels so weird. I feel gaslit even reading this because that's exactly what they did at Twitter. They, they asked Yoel Roth to target individuals or and groups and tell them you know to amplify untrue content that happened that was the whole Russiagate thing that happened so new media abuse allows influencers to reach a large audience cheaply and quickly allowing adversaries to commandeer and control narratives well they're just contributing to the narrative and if the people say well that guy's right because he has better information of course dissent not be allowed According to DHS. Information activities. Activities undertaken to shape public opinion or undermine trust in the authenticity of information. Use of new and traditional media to amplify divides and foment unrest in the homeland, sometimes coordinated with illicit cyber activities. Okay, let's just look at what their cyber activities are. Hacking. May benefit from information activities. They assist in surveillance or reconnaissance and provide opportunities or destructive attacks, hijacking accounts, defacing public-facing sites, uh, being used to pub influence public opinion, probably DDoS, compromised government systems, voting systems, data repositories can lead to citizens to question the security of the information provided to the government. You know, citizens are going to question the government. Government should manage their expectations. Citizens are just going to question their government. That happens. If they think that, that their citizens are not going to question them, that's a retard in office. And excuse the, the let me reframe that. Let me just, just take that word out of context. They're, they're a, a, uh, an idiot, a low IQ individual, somebody who doesn't, you know, categorically stupid on a scientific rationale. They are not working with a full deck of cards. Uh, okay. Yeah. So I, th I think it's safe to say that if the government thinks that the, the citizens are never going to ask a question and that asking questions of their government is wrong, they should really get out of the trade. Because that's all that's coming. So... Let me just move on. I just wanted to, to show you the type of things that are... And the only stakeholders, it's not the public. It's the intelligence community, the DOJ and the FBI, state the police, foreign partners, WHO, social media companies, traditional legacy media, academics and research, and think tanks and, phila and philanthropy. And none of those stakeholder conferences are you. You're not in there. I'm gonna move on. Okay, this is getting kind of lengthy. So I need to, to and, and now there's a crisis of mistrust because the people are just not going to stomach the stuff that is being plunged 
down their throat. It's over. And this is, this is the bellwether right here. In the Euractive Tech Brief, the AI treaty excludes NGOs, that would be the philanthropic think tanks, WhatsApp's new fine. Okay. Story of the week. NGOs have been sidelined from the drafting of the Council of Europe's Convention on AI, or Artificial Intelligence, Human Rights, Democracy, and the Rule of Law. In November, the U.S. proposed the creation of a drafting group that would include potential signatories to the treaty as they did not want to reveal their negotiating position publicly. That's bad news. One of the reasons cited was that Washington was pushing to exclude private companies, read U.S. Big Tech, from the convention's scope as Euractive revealed in October. As though, oh sorry, although the proposal was initially supported by the U.K. and Canada, the COE Secretariat presented it as a final decision in the meeting's minutes as it wanted to keep the U.S. a mere observer country among the signatories. Despite some countries asking for a discussion to reopen the matter, the drafting group was confirmed in the plenary last week. Going forward, civil society groups will only be able to provide their comments once a first version has been drafted. Even then, their inputs will be discussed behind closed doors. Okay. So the Council of Europe Secretariat included the U.S. proposal in the minutes as if the decision had been taken according to sources informed on the matter under condition of anonymity. The Secretariat was pressured by the United States as the institution has a diplomatic interest in getting its treaties signed by the U.S. So they are being very cagey about their AI agenda in Europe for an AI treaty. So that's, you need to pay special attention because exclusion of NGOs, just specific NGOs, there is going to be a clamor to influence this AI treaty draft. After, once it's out, once the government officials push this out, there's going to be an, a mad clamor to influence this AI treaty, which will influence the whole Western Hemisphere um, that is digital Europe. Now, why is this important? This is where I get very tough and concise. Earlier this week, I did a program with, you know, featuring Alex Jones material. And he covered pretty extensively the, the coordination of a digital ID system, WEP, and the CBDC, which is the Central Bank Digital Currencies, and the postures of um, the ESG, SDG um, coordination. So let me just log in here. Just a moment. Okay. And we are in. Okay. So what they've likened this to significantly, and it's 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 a it's something that's been said before, but we'll just say it again. But just to make this a little scarier, let's talk about the Chinese social credit score system, which will certainly tie into your digital money from the Business Insider in twenty twenty one. The Chinese Communist Party has been constructing a moral ranking system 
for years that will monitor the behavior of its enormous population and rank them based on their social credit. Like private credit scores, a person's social credit score can move up and down depending on their behavior. The exact methodology is a secret, but exam and sorry, sorry, examples of infractions include bad driving, smoking in a non-smoking zone, buying too many video games, posting fake news online specifically about terrorist attacks or airport security, and other potential punishable offenses include spending too long playing video games, wasting money on frivolous purchases, and posting on social media. Okay, so that last one's really important. So frivolous purchases. Since when does the government need to check on you and your your personal purchase history in the West? When has that ever been an issue? So they're they're intending to nanny your your private purchases using these digital credits and CBDCs. But they have to have a positive digital ID first to get it started. So here's what they're doing in Switzerland. They've just piloted this video content rule where you can't play video games or view online video content unless you register a government credentialed ID online. Online. So without it, uh, you know, I just would say use a VPN and go to a different location and then, then log in there. But, <laughs> but, you know, Switzerland is no longer a place where you can kind of be neutral about these things. And uh, so William has posted a link to uh, vaccine surveillance, which is always going to be relevant to discussions here at the Unsanctioned Citizen. So I think we're out of content for now um i just wanted to include that uh the twitter files latest from Li fang also included where germany threatened twitter over biontech influence not very good but based on what i told you is that the stakeholders that dhs and these larger intelligence community officials did not include you and that's how they think oh hey i got some callers and i've got more audience today. I've got Alana and Alex and North, Hakeem, who's good at technology, Pedro, and a few others. Let's just go ahead and take Gregor. Hey, Gregor, welcome back to the program. Oh, the joys of a free and open society. <laughs> Is that not like the most amazing thing where China is supposed to be the ESG gods, even though. Yeah, they don't obey the anything. Well, yeah, and their environmental record is somewhere between horrible and deplorable, right? There are species um, dying right now. Yeah. No, <laughs> Extincting just, forever. Uh, and, uh, and, and, and some of them are the human species just because of, you know, part of the reason I'm sure they're being hit by COVID so hard is because the air is so bad there that the people's lungs are already trashed. Um, the people. But this whole surveillance thing... I don't, you know, I'm with you. I'm getting a little bit, I, I'm a little bit confused why everybody thinks it's okay. And when I talk to people that want this kind of stuff, they always cite the same thing. It's safe. It'll keep me protected. It'll, you know, yes, but you'll have no rights. I mean, 
geofencing smoking sections how long is it going to be till they're just any if you buy cigarettes that's bad enough if you vape that's going to be a different thing you know that's going to be a thing they're going to take into your score if you do anything you know if you eat anything besides vegetables which will be laced with vaccines apparently in the future i'm talking about that wednesday afternoon is is you know it's, it's just i don't know i don't know why people do this because you know, they talk about wanting freedom and independence, and then they make sure they create the nanny state. Well, it depends on who you're talking to, Gregor, because, I mean, you're not really talking to libertarians. You're talking to people who are, you know, go-along, get-alongs, who are kind of, they're kind of a, they collect together like metal beans in a metal bean bag at the bottom of the of the pole, okay? And you get enough of them there, they, they kind of create a drag on freedom, and so well, they and, and, go ahead. Yes, and, and the people that vote for you know for, for putting these people in power. So we're talking about the funds that say, oh, there's a D. That's the one I should vote for. Um, but you know, it's it's the non they they think they're voting for their freedom because they're going to be safe, where they don't understand that voting for safety takes away your freedom. You can't be safe and free. It doesn't work that way. Well, it's I mean, just, maybe maybe someone didn't explain to them, you know, because someone all they have to do is say safety. I'll, I'll give you an example. Like, we caught the murderer using DNA from 23andMe. Yeah, but, you know, 23andMe now owns that. Because you signed it away with a submit button. Forever. Yep. Okay? I mean, you know, like, that's that's what they don't understand, is that they're, they're signing away a license for, for their DNA. Yep. And, you know, again... Whatever, you know, whatever things you do, you know, phones are not secure. It's simple as that. You're, whatever you're doing on there is literally Oh, my God. Thank you for bringing that up. Now, one of the things that came up in the chapter is the fact that, that these governments are not just going to use identity to kind of create virtual checkpoints, but also kind of like this, this electronic cage, the geofence that you discuss, just discussed. Um, I want to I pull up this thing. They're trying to get this. This is important. I'm gonna kind of pull this up. I'm gonna upload a sound uh, file. Let me see here. Oh, DW News. And um, I had intended to play this earlier. Oh, the Daily Wire. Um, maybe it is the Daily Wire. Uh, it's yeah. the the reporter is Ines Pohl, and it was uh, aired on a world world television. Which is apparently, you know, a global source of t- news. But, you know, if the news is sound, you know, you can, you can use it. I, I pull from wherever the, the news is. And so I'm going to play this for you. Um, this is Inez Pohl um, and her reporting from Mexico on the State Department's use of uh, smartphones with people who have no phones. Leo tells us there are about 10,000 people in the region right now. In this camp, he's greeted with joy. Today, he distributes socks for the children. All I can do is help the people here. That's all I can do. Even if it's only a drop in the bucket. For most migrants here, figuring out how to register on the new app is the biggest problem. 
Granny Rodriguez, who fled Honduras, has no smartphone. I'm stuck. I understand the U.S. with their new laws, it's fine. But here in camps like this, there are many of us who don't have money for a smartphone. Grady is frustrated. He doesn't know what to do next. Before President Biden was elected, he promised to pursue a more humane migration policy. Now, in the middle of his term, there's little sign of it. Quite the contrary. Many fear that the new course he announced make things even worse. Desperation is the prevailing mood at this table where migrants access a power supply. I can't get into the app because everyone wants to get in. I have a problem with the app because I go into it. The app sends me emails, but then I can't open them. I tried to get in this morning to get an appointment this month, but I didn't understand anything. Grady has lost hope. He just wants to be back home and leaves the camp for good without knowing how to pay for the trip. And our Washington Bureau Chief co-author of this report, she joins me now. Enos, a more humane approach to migration is what the Biden administration promised. Now the gatekeeper is literally a machine. How does that go together? Yeah, in a way, uh, Nicole, the wall, Trump's wall, is replaced by this app. Well, you know, we have to be fair here. The situation at the border right now, as it was before the new uh, kind of law uh, was in place, is also not uh, humane. It's, it's the opposite. People are on the road, some of them for years. There is no infrastructure on the Mexican side of the border. They are waiting there that the drug cartels let them over, cross the Rio Grande and other uh, kind of areas to go into the United States. So. President Biden is really in a dilemma. He needed uh, to change uh, that very situation, but this app indeed brings very many problems for the people there on the ground. Uh, work us, uh, walk us through the functioning of the app. How does it work and what are the problems that people are encountering with it, maybe beyond what we just saw in the report? Right, so as Grady said, many, many uh, migrants, uh, they don't even have a smartphone and you need a smartphone to be able to download the app. To be able to download the app, you need a good internet connection. Once you have it downloaded, first of all, you really have to understand how it works and I tried to download it myself. It's really complicated. It's not that easy. Then they send you something to your email. So to make a long story short, the whole process is complicated. But once you are in the system, you can apply. You need a passport to apply. Then the uh, background check is uh, taking place. And then on top of everything, you do need a sponsor and you do need to be able to afford a plane ticket. So. Basically, that means that only those migrants do have a chance who are well off enough to afford all that. Mm -hmm. Joe Biden asked migrants to not just show up at the border, but rather to apply for asylum from home and then fly into the U.S. That's an unrealistic scenario for many escaping hardship and poverty in the rest of the Americas. Will that do much to discourage the thousands of people who embark on that dangerous trek each year? Well, uh, Nicole, they put out a pretty um, 
similar program uh, with Venezuela some weeks ago to kind of test it. So only people from Venezuela who apply, apply through this app uh, have a chance uh, to uh, get into the United States to get a work permit and it kind of worked. So uh, at least that's what the Biden administration says. Fewer people left the country knowing that they won't have any chance at all to get into the country if they have not applied uh, through this app before they enter the border. So we shall see if this really changes the mind because as you just said, most of the migrants, they don't come to the United States because they just want to have a nicer and better life. They are fleeing hunger, violence, traumatic situations, deaths, killings. Mm -hmm. So they have little to lose when they stay because they, many of them tell us they will get killed yeah. or will die of hunger or diseases anyhow. So. Um, yeah, it, we shall we're going to have to leave it there, Ines. I'm so really sorry. We're running out of time. Um, thank you so much and great reporting. Okay, so that was Enos Pohl for DW News that we discovered from World News. It's probably a German outlet. So um, I'm going to let you continue, Gregor. And then we have William and Celie who want to come up and, and give a talk. So, Gregor, if you're still on. Well, I, uh, I'll just finish up by saying that, you know, And we're going to have to, in order to win this fight, we have to figure out how to ensure privacy. Um, I think if we, as we continue to give up our privacy, that gives the that that gives the World Economic Forum people, the folks that are in that one world government view, it gives them the opportunity to control us because they can force us to do things. Um, you know, I, I don't think cell phones are evil. I don't think they're wrong. Don't get. I'm not mm -hmm. saying that. I'm just saying the way that data is being used against us, and then you bring in AI, which is actually they alluded to in this report. You know, AI can show you all kinds of information to make you think a certain way. It's frightening. It's been proven. It's been done already mm -hmm. in the last elections heavily, and you know, votes you know of five ten percent were probably swayed just by having news produced a certain way that we consume on our cute little devices. So I'll step down and let William up. And you, thank you very much for bringing this to our attention. <laughs> yeah. So what I would add to that is, um, you know, Gregor's a good good voice here. Um, pretty routine, too. So, so we appreciate his input here. Um, we often want to control the privacy that we have and that's important to us and what has happened is that there is a stonewalling about data ownership and the narrative is being controlled by leftist collectivists at Berkeley and in Washington DC who do not who find your data ownership to be inconvenient one of the few and, if any, who's even inquired to the big tech caucuses about this is Representative Ken Buck. Now, I have played Ken Buck's uh, narrative here on, on the Colin Network before. Ken Buck is, is a, a hardworking 
representative. He is a Republican, but he's one of the few who's actually, when he had the opportunity to discuss it, did discuss it. So it is in the record, and I think that there is more sanity on the way um, to represent you being able to sue the companies for misusing your private data, uh, misappropriating your private data as commercial, you know, commercial grade goods that they own, which is what's happened already. That's what's happening. And the reason why it's happening is because China has a coercive policy through this PIPL law and through uh, regulatory requirements that they have on their own technology. If you have a Lenovo or any type of Chinese components in your computing, they say that if it filters or is processed through their, you know, Chinese proprietary hardware, then they now own the data. So they're saying by proxy, if they can get your information from their components that just, you know, radio home back to Beijing, then they now own that because they're law. So there's a contest there. The, FT, the FCC, meaning the Federal uh, Communications Commission, saw what was happening and they, they gutted a lot of 5G components that were going in from China that would have given them excruciatingly uh, broad-based control over the American public who uses a smartphone technology. So when we are centralizing our identity into a smartphone which is not necessarily secure because everything you do on a smartphone is broadcasted and it's in a cloud-based system, which is difficult to secure unless you're constantly updating your firmware and the like. Um, so, you know, it has gotten better, but it is one of the least secure, um, one of the least secure, least um, hardened environments for information security so you don't want to put sensitive information in there plus it can be someone else can remotely take things off without your knowledge or permission th through hacking so um so i just wanted to indicate that that i don't think government documents really belong in cell phones i don't think it's the most secure things i don't even believe that they belong in broad-based centralized government systems because the government doesn't secure its systems well enough. When they put a mandate that you use your identity in a digital way, they don't protect it. And there is fraud upon fraud upon fraud. So uh, I've watched that over the years and I'll, I'll give you more than enough proof if you let me. So I'm going to take William. William! Sister, can you hear me okay first? You're doing great. All right, boy, there's so much to cover here. My goodness. Man, you um, have been packing it up, too. I, I see all... Wow. Meathead. 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 Sealy. Meathead. 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 North. I mean, you're just loading it up, my friend. Well, I mean, I mean, we don't have all day, but you know, if you can give us a concise, you know, what what you what you're gonna say. All right. Well, for those who are interested, each one of these subjects could be uh, an entire room. So, 
Uh, you know, it's a thumbnail version. First of all, don't, don't we have to go back to the Patriot Act and Snowden and the FBI, what that all revealed? Uh, it's just the, the, the technology is simply advanced, and then how we're going to ma- uh, manage that uh, and create privacy is the issue, isn't it? Um, but anyway, um, I don't have answers for that, you know. I'm just touching on it. Um, then uh, regarding... Um, comments on the vaccine. Jimmy Durr covers it in a recent uh, YouTube and also if, bottom line case of the 2022 WEF. Uh, that, uh, we didn't really understand the fatality rate. We didn't understand that it's fairly low fatality rate and that it's disease mainly of the elderly kind of like the flu. Although it's a bit different than that. Well that, that was the same rate. news we had in 2020 by the way. It's mostly the elderly and the infirm that are that are gonna go, and and and, and that's yeah. You know, and then they they weirded the numbers so that it looked like there was more. So the insurance collect more money, so it looked like more people were dying, and then they canceled Alex Berenson for saying it. Then, you know, now they're they're backtracking. They're like, oh, they're doing it again. So. Same reasons, a too. A lot of disinformation coming from the World Economic Forum, the World Health <laughs> Organization. You think? <laughs> CDC. And they want to be in charge of what's disinformation or not. That is frightening, which is why there's a petition in the uh, thread. Um, regarding the vaccine adverse events uh, reporting system, Congress already reported on the problems with this and that they acknowledged that. Um, uh, they they sil- uh, Why did the CDC silence a million dollar Harvard project charged with upgrading the system? Uh, the same congressional report uh, notes uh, former FDA Commissioner David A. Kessler has estimated that various reports currently represent only a fraction of this series of adverse events. They, there was millions allocated to update VAERS and it didn't happen. And that goes back, I have to check the dates, I, I, I don't want to give a date, but I, I think it's uh, even a couple of decades, but don't quote me on that, it's in the article. So that's, like when Norris says, virus is garbage. Well, you know, maybe the vaccine industry doesn't want to be held accountable, North, and so that's why it hasn't been upgraded, because the Congress allocated the money and it didn't get done. Yeah, and that's so, that's what they call an other, other polite company, fraud, so... Fraud using public money, and that's also known as malfeasance. Right, right. So there's a lot more meat there in the article. I'm just now Dr. Seneff. She's an MIT scientist who did a report with Dr. Peter McCullough, and it's a 45-page report, and it talks about severe side effects, seven times that of previous VAERS of all vaccines, which include prion diseases, which are deadly. This is not. Something that's from some. What's really upsetting to us, people who study this, is that expert scientists are being um, mischaracterized, and and their reports are being discounted. This, yeah, just a little, you know. <laughs> um, and this is very serious. Um, and yet, um, you know, uh, for people who are watching the mainstream media, they're going to believe, you know, sponsored by Pfizer narrative. Pfizer was fine. How much do we remember for for fraud in the past? Uh, Two point what billion dollars? I 
can't remember the exact amount. I'd have to go back and check. The highest fine American company, the best of my recollection, for 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 their fraud. This is who ran these studies, and this needs to be exposed. Brooke Jackson, the lawsuit, she's a whistleblower right. represented by attorney Robert Barnes. We'll be hearing more. This is just the beginning. Okay, 100%. 100%, William. I, I think Celie was up here, so I'm going to invite Celie to come speak, because uh, usually has to, she has a good good two cents to say. I want you to stay in queue, uh, and then we can have a conversation. Okay. So she has accepted my invitation to speak. Hello, Celie. need to say now if you like oh well no no it was because of uh, it reminded me with the immigration and there has been this summit with the rewriting of NAFTA and with Joe mm. and Biden and AMLO and there's something that I, I'm not sure that people in the US know most of it it affects Mexico you better spill it but, uh, you better tell me that has been a, a deal it's so ridiculous, but it goes like this. It says that uh, AMLO is going to take 30,000 migrants a month that are deported from the U.S., right? Illegal migrants from Venezuela, Cuba, Brazil, and Nicaragua. But at the same time, the U.S. accepts to welcome 30,000 migrants from the same nationalities as long as they go by plane among other Yeah. I think the, the immigration policy is a la carte at this point. It's it's an absolute joke. It's it's just as someone described today as an incoherent and um, an arbitrary process. Uh, where you know, for someone, you know, they can they can entertain and, and skittle away people's human rights uh, when they're they're sprawled out in a UN tent situation, uh, living in, in camps in Mexico, destitute. Uh, they can't afford a phone to produce the documents that they're supposed to do while they're on the run as refugees. These are actual legitimate refoulement cases. Um, you know, I, I think that the state, de- the state department doesn't want to do their job. They don't want to do any work. And you know what? These embassies, these fat cats in the embassies, they think that taking an ambassadorship or, or working with a foreign, uh, foreign solicitation is, is an easy job. You know, that the, they get yeah. to go to all the, the, you know, the schwanky whatever parties and, uh, you know, oh, and to hell with the people. You know, it's it's not real exactly. work. Exactly, but it's also it's made kind of nonsensical because what you need actually in the U.S. is the migrant workers that will do the jobs that the the U.S. people don't want, which is like recollecting uh, right, like fruits or working in the fields or stuff like that. Which is the migrants that are, the migrants that are going to go by plane. You know, are the ones that are middle class. Up. I'm, I'm gonna have, have to just talk to you a little bit about this because there's there's plenty of Americans who want jobs and want to work. Um, okay. I mean, I I, I, I just I just I don't hear anyone little, challenging right? this narrative at all. I mean, I hear it over and over and over again. 
but it's it's really something co- contrary to what I see. I mean, I live here in Texas. There's plenty of Texans that are out there busting their hump in the hot sun with with Mexican and foreign nationals, uh, you know, grouping together at, at the border to, to, you know, pick fruit and lettuce and, and whatever. Whatever produce is out there. It's farming. They all got to work. So it's so oh, it's, it's, it's so weird it's to me. Sorry, sorry, I, I understand what you're saying. It's the same narrative here that the people don't want to work, but what it then that's happening is that the salaries sometimes are so low, and uh, and if you take this, this sometimes, uh, yeah, no, I, I get it. I get that the narrative, it, it might be like a propaganda. I get it, and I believe you, because here it happens the same, right? Well, I mean, I, and the uh, other thing is this, this incoherent, point. inconsistent, you know, you know ad hoc, immigration policy they, they they try to redo immigration every four years and like just pass a new law that puts things on in terms of a visa scale nation by nation they have to go per nation and 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 jigger the 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 immigration numbers per nation state and of course you know when when there's tumult or in this case an anarcho tyranny from too much, you know, drug infiltration, too much stirring from the pot from, you know, Zapatas and people who are trying to knock over the, the legitimate Western governments and bring in communism because, you know, there's a counter narrative. Like, I've heard the, the narrative that, that, you know, it's the communists that are coming in and stirring things up and knocking over the democracies, you know, and then, of course, the communists say, no, 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 it's the United States. They're doing it. So nobody can agree on... Everybody can agree that it's screwed up and there's disorganization and that there's there's constant power struggles and constant revolution. Okay? But nobody can... They're so busy finger-pointing that, you know, the people just, you know, get caught in, in the grits and they get scissored up. I would say that there's hardly any communist in America anymore. Seriously, like, there is no communist government even... Like that's that's definitely a narrative. But the thing is that if you can afford to do three thousand thirty thousand visas of people that come in planes, you as well you might as well do the same thing for people that actually really need to to leave the country and, and do the do that the same job, right? Of applying in the same time if you're going to do it like from the countries. This is this is kind of, you know, uh, is discrimination on the, on the basis of because it's like okay you the poor that come here I send to Mexico the ones that are middle class up I, I take in so that that was the irony that I that, but you, we should talk sometimes because I think there's a lot of things that we are being told about the US like I've been told by the US that we don't really know or have no way to, to dismantle those narratives mm-hmm. and I think it goes both ways Okay, here's what I think is might be what what might be being sold to somebody coming from Honduras. Okay, now the cartel acts like some some kind of job of the hut travel agent, and he says, "Okay, if you sell me your daughter, I'll get her over the border, and she'll I'll get her a job." Okay, but they don't know that the job is she's going to be like working as a you know in a brothel for ten months, and then you know licensing. Her, her labor in some other fashion to these cartel interests 
you know, possibly for five to, to ten years or indefinitely if she survives. Okay? So essentially, they sell their, their, their child into slavery and, for, for, for travel. They, they, they trust, they position their, their children in the custody of the damn cartels. Okay? They end up going over the border. Maybe they lose a lung or a kidney and get that exact same space. They take the kidney and sell it to somebody in the Chinese, you know, market who needs it. And then they pack it with drugs and then traffic that girl over the border. Okay, when she gets there, uh, they, they unpack her drugs in, in, in a kind of a dirty surgery. And if she survives, then she's a prostitute for however long they need her. So, that's a bad deal. That's a really, really wrecked bad deal. Now, the other side of Jabba the Hutt travel agency is if you can just come up with 30 grand and then you just pay the cartels and then they do their dirt and get you over the border. And, and what, what that means is like, here's the money, I get over the border, don't mess with me. And, and, and it's transactional as that. And they, they, you know, they get a waiter to get you through over and, and, and hopefully you don't get you know, put in a riptide and, and die, okay? But you're going to live like a damn refugee for, for at least a month, you know, on the ground. And if you can get in a plane and the cartels can get you in a plane for 50 grand, then then you get over and you fly in and that's the, that's the end of it. They just get you over in airspace. So what the State Department says, okay, well, we want the ones who can afford the 50,000 note, to get in our country. Mm-hmm. Those are the ones we want. You know. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> which which means that, that the illegal. The short. The, the, those people are going to still keep coming. And there's still going to be a black market. For illegal illicit business. It's not going to impact the cartels at all. So my message to the Biden government. Is like knock this shit off. Get legitimate. Get rid of these cartels. They're poisoning everything. They're poisoning the world. They're, they're killing Americans. And they are not serious. This is not serious policy. You know, telling the, an illegal who can't f- afford a, a, a smartphone to, oh, go deal with it and get a plane ticket. You're full of shit. Yeah, sometimes even there is families, entire families that are get into a different kind of human trafficking because of running away from the cartels, right? Because they their children are being compromised or they want them to sell drugs. There's, those are many of the cases as well. So, yeah, human trafficking in any case is devastating. And it's as simple as making it legal, right? To, to apply to... If you can do it, the, the, you can't do the paperwork with the one that gets in a plane you can make the paperwork, period. So, yeah. It's a choice. Yeah, thank you, Sealy. I'm sorry I didn't use my lady language with you, but I, you know, I think you understand oh, me. I'm so <laughs> okay, I'll give you the last word, William. What do you want to say before we wrap it up? You still there? Yeah, I'm here. Can you hear me? Okay. Yeah, we're good. All right. Well, uh, yeah, that's that's tragic. Um, what's happening there? Um, I don't know what else to say other than it's very sad. And, and, we all feel a little helpless. Uh, I gotta admit it. Yeah. Uh, the only thing I can add to what, what I was saying before the Harvard Pilgrim study on 
system uh, site that I, this was actually done in 2011 that only catches about 1% of vaccine averse events and reactions. That's, that's the Harvard Pilgrim study. So there's uh, context there to what I'm saying and articles you can link to. Um, so I always give, uh, you know, references. So I, I, I appreciate you t- letting me share, Sheila, and, uh, and uh, I appreciate what you're doing. Oh, you're welcome. You're part of it. You're part of it, my friend. Every time you come come on here and you show your light, people get informed. So you keep coming back and bringing us this great information. You're very welcome here. Very welcome here. God bless. God bless. Okay, it's been a fantastic program today. I want to thank all of the people who have joined us and spoke today. Uh, Gregor Williams, Seeley, uh, and then all of my guests here. Uh, Pedro, Hakeem, Gregor, North. Alex, Alana, and Sarah, thank you for joining. We're going to wrap it up. Uh, This has been The Unsanctioned Citizen. We'll be back next Saturday uh, to do this, and um, we'll see you then. Thanks for listening. Before you go, hit the subscribe button. Remember that callers are welcome. Subscribers can access Unsanctioned Citizen podcast archives at Substack, Automatic, iHeartRadio podcasts, and call-in. Please stay in touch. We want to hear from you. Visit SheilaMDean.com.